Lately, it seems that we are getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church. I really believe that being the church is actually going, discipling, evangelizing, getting people involved. And I hope that that would resonate with you. I I know we hear this a lot. People will say all the time, are you walking the walk? Are you talking the talk? And this past week as I was praying and asking God, you know, give me the words to be able to speak and the words to be able to, to minister. Whatever you want said or done, that's what I want done. And so this morning, if you would please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1 verses 5, and we'll be reading through 16. And as we look into this passage, and children, you are dismissed to head down to Children's Chapel. You are dismissed. And uh, isn't it great to always see kids? Praise the Lord. Church should be full of kids. We've gone through seasons in this church where we had a ton of kids. And then they diminish. And then we have a bunch of kids, and then it diminishes. But it's always great to see uh, what, what God is doing. You know, the, the Bible says in Matthew that we, are, we have a harvest and we've got to continue to plant the seed and, and, and sow and reap the harvest. And if you're doing your job, then God will do the rest. And that's what's important. 1 John 1, 5 through 16. We're going to be looking at the John, at John the apostle gives a challenge regarding the kind of lives those who he was writing to were living. The challenge helps us 2,000 years later to understand what the Christian life is supposed to be about. So I want to ask you a question this morning as we kick off this message on walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, Would you describe your spiritual life as an abiding life? And you say, well, pastor, I don't even know what the word abiding means. That's so King James Version-y to me. And yet I'll describe that for you today and I'll let you know what it means and we'll break it down for you. Is your Christianity something you do at a specified moment, such as Sunday mornings, or is it something you live out each and every day of your life? You know, as I get older, I find myself getting less disinterested in religion and more interested in the relationship. Most people will know me that I'm a very relational type of person with people, with the church, Uh, With communities, I love people. And so I believe that our relationship foremost and and should be number one should be Jesus Christ. That's where our relationship should come in. And if our relationship is just that, then people will see Jesus Christ in and through our life. 
Now, many of you will say, but that's difficult for me. And I find it uh, somewhat difficult because I'm a sinner, you know, and people will judge me. I've had more people leave the church and say I'm leaving the church because I can't live a life that's filled with Christ. Well, I want you to do this. I want you to strive to live a life that honors Christ. How's that? That makes a little bit more sense. And yet still have a life that is in one accord and you have a relationship with him. A relationship just isn't about Sunday morning. You heard the video. It is about an everyday, ongoing, commitment, intimate relationship, a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. When I get to heaven, all I want to hear is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And many of us, I have to ask the big question, do we even know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Because the Bible talks about the vine and the branches and he that bears fruit will see that from their life. will see that Jesus Christ is a part of your life. Christianity, more than any faith in the world, seems to have become a religion of convenience. It is the most casual faith going today. You don't have to ask too much before you have asked too much of most Christians today. If all religions did lead to heaven, and I was looking for the easiest with the least demands, it would have to be what many now call the church. The problem is that all religions don't lead to heaven, and I'm afraid that even what we now see in the lives of most in the church doesn't lead there either. Churches don't seem to ask much anymore. If you just come once a week... You are considered a star player in most churches today. So the question is, I wonder if God has changed this much. John would say he hasn't. Let's read together. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 16. Here we're being tested. John is encouraging uh, many. And as we, as we look at this, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is my relationship with Jesus Christ? But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected, whereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 16. Did I say two? Are we all together? Okay. All right, here we are. First John chapter 1, verse 5, we're in verse 7. Brethren, I, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which he had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word. Thank you. I know. I'm sorry. I wrote it down wrong in my notes. You all are looking at me like, I knew something was going wrong here. And I'm like, that is not even the verse I need. Okay. First John chapter one. Try my job sometimes. It's difficult. You know what I'm saying? Let me see if I can uh, get my bifocals out here. First John chapter one. And we're going to start in verse. I want to start with chapter one. I made the mistake. First John chapter one. And I'm going to read verses five and six. Just follow me. Okay. And I might even go, you're trying, aren't you? It's been one of those weeks. That's all I got to say. There's only 10 verses, so I'll read them quick. Am I right about that? Okay. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Lord, maybe I need to start prayer right now, right? I'm already sweating. Turn that air back on. Anyhow, 1 John chapter 1, 
verses 5 through 7. This then is the message. Well, that sounds like it's my message today, which we have heard of him and declare unto you. I, I just have to stop. Do you know my wife? I always know when my wife, she raises that one eyebrow and she's looking at me like, oh, there's so much empathy. She, he's lost his mind. <laughs> Poor fella. I thought, then she turns around and I see her nonchalantly turn around and she looks at my sister and brother like, oh, my husband's lost his mind. Where are you? Because I have no idea where that guy's going. Goodness gracious. All right, here we go. And we're, and we're going to be in um, verse 5. I love this part. It says, And I declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God hasn't changed. Isn't that amazing? In him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Now, what I'd like you to do is turn in 1 John chapter 2. We're all together here. We're going to go with verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light now shineth. He that said he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Verse 13. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. Isn't that amazing? When you just stop right there, I write into you little children because you know the Father. Wouldn't it be great if somebody walked up to you and says, I've noticed by the way that you walk and by the way you talk, you know Father God. Boy, he is number one in your life. I wonder how many people walk away and ask the question, are they even Christians? Because I haven't noticed God or Jesus in their life at all. Holy Spirit hasn't even manifested himself in them. They're kind of scary. You know, it's amazing. We have allowed our selfish, old, carnal side to some type take preeminence in our life. I love what John says, that because ye have known the Father, verse 14, I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him, that is from the beginning, I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Think about it. Young people knowing the word of God. Man, I, I look back through scriptures. Did God use, remember how old David was? When God used him. He was a teenager. And I always think, man, God can do some great works in a young person that's sold out and surrendered. Because I really believe that young people, especially today, they have some difficulties really following, following the Lord. We do as adults. Nonetheless, our, our children are, are struggling as well. But I love that, that when it looks here, it says, 
Because the young ones have overcome the wicked one. 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. I love that. Abides forever. You know, I have to say that I'm I'm slightly amazed at the difference between our Nepali community and the American community. For the Nepali community, when they come together to worship the Lord, they're serious about it. I have watched the digression over the last three to four years that we have been in a marital relationship with that church as overseers, as as missionaries to forward the kingdom of heaven. I have watched as... They have been introduced to the American culture. They've lost their way where Jesus Christ was number one in their hearts and in their lives. Listen to me closely. The day they came to this church, God spoke to me. I spoke to them. We started a church. And I want you to know something that's very, very vital and very important was humility was at the forefront of their life. When we got together and I said, I would like to come to your fellowship where you're meeting. They said, we're meeting over here in North Hill and you're more than welcome. We would be honored to have you come. This is how I actually got through the house. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. I was trying to get over to a couch. Excuse me. As I was walking around as every one of them. And I'll never forget an 80 year old Nepali lady, I'm 45 and I don't know if I could do what she did, was sitting there Indian style and we had church for three hours. Three hours and they didn't move. They were hungry for the word of God. For they were so excited just to hear what the pastor had to say that it didn't matter if they had to sit on the floor. And I remember sitting there on that sofa as they gave us, and, and they always feed you tea and all kinds of stuff. So before we got started, and they, they, they covered their head for prayer, they were serious about it. And now I've noticed the difference just three and a half years later. I don't know that I would watch Grandma get down on that floor. For you see, the modern conveniences of this life has diluted the mind of so many. You've heard me say that Pastor Dahl even came to me and says, you know, I'm noticing that within our culture that they've become so Americanized that Jesus Christ is not number one in their life. How sad is that? That modern conveniences have changed. How radically different are things in American churches where apathy, disinterest, and the need of entertainment are common. Verse 5 says, And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light in him then there is no darkness at all. And then we went over into chapter 2, verse 6. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The question is, Not that God has changed, but have we? God is immovable. He hasn't changed. We've changed. So as we see in the word that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll always be the same. 
There are those who say some things because they think those things are true about themselves. But John says that it is not the proof about who you are. Listen closely. Jesus showed us who God is. That he is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And if we truly believe and belong to him, then we will reflect the light and repel darkness from our lives. Our life and not just our words speaks the truth about who we are spiritually. Amazing, isn't it? John is saying that this is an important truth to understand. This is the message which we have heard from him and announced to you. That one, this is something Jesus made sure his apostles understood. Two, this is something John and the other apostles wanted to announce to the world. This is who God is. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that we can all be challenged to have a better walk with you. Not just talk, hi, I'm a Christian. But Lord, to live a life that is in your likeness. A Christ-like life. God, help us. For we have fallen away from marrying who you are. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Here's some things we can see in the two verses. I'm afraid that the common God of 2015 is a God who does not judge or condemn and only wants people to be happy regardless of their lifestyle. It is no wonder that many want to praise a God like that who only wants to make their life easier. So we notice here, one, John helps us to understand who God is. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. God is light. Through God, we see as we need to see. If you want to know the difference God can make in a life, then take a midnight drive without your car lights on. That'd be a little scary, wouldn't it? You'll be more dangerous to yourself and others than someone who was driving completely drunk. That wouldn't be good. You can hit the air, please. We're not physically made for darkness. Creatures like bats, moles, or even cats have capabilities for the darkness, but not humans. Darkness means trouble for us. It highly increases the probability we will harm ourselves or others. It limits the life we can live. And you see, we are not physically made for darkness, and neither are we spiritually made for it. Man, Pastor, you're really expounding on the darkness and the darker side of it. Listen to these three points. In God's light, we see ourselves as we really are. Sinners in need for a Savior. Depraved, full of flaws, falling short of the glory of God, living in the dark and reflecting darkness from our lives. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In God's light, we see the world as it really is. Darkness. Reprobate, absent to the truths that define all that God is. Professing to be wise, but acting as fools, as the scripture says. In God's light, we see Jesus as he truly is. Walk in the same manner as he walked. The way Jesus lived was pleasing to God. His life defined what is acceptable and desired to God. I would say that many of us do not understand the implications of full surrender to God. The music starts. Dum, dum, da-dum. Dum, dum, da-dum. 
For some, we think it's the death march, but it's actually a little happier than that. They come to the altar. They stand before the the pastor. And he says, repeat after me, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Amen and amen. You are blessed. You are blessed. And all that kind of stuff that takes place. Marriage. Isn't it amazing? We can walk in unity and we can walk together through marriage. But I find it real interesting that divorce is at its highest because people can't walk together. How is it that if we can't walk together in our relationships on this earth, that we'll ever be able to walk in relationship with Jesus Christ? So we take that covenant, we take that commitment, and yet in our own personal life, we don't pray, we don't read the Bible, we don't even listen to good positive music, we don't even hang around people and friends that actually influence to do what's right, and we think that our relationship with God is growing, we're not maturing. And so when I reference the darkness, that's because that's the old man, and we can no longer, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship. So we walk in the newness of life. We walk in the ways of Christ. We live out our life. Are you doing that? Are you living a life that exemplifies Jesus? Do people see it in your life every single day? I ask God, how can I serve you? And at the end of the day, I ask God, did I do my part to serve you? Opportunity comes our way. And yet, here's what we'll say. Excuse me, I just don't have time for that ministry experience right now. And we don't allow God to really minister to us like, like He really wants to. Have you ever met somebody? And I was, we were in a store one day, and I said to a lady, God bless you. And she says, I've received that. Well, as soon as she said that, I got all excited. I'm like, wow, that was simple. I'm going to try that again. God bless you. Well, that didn't go over as well. But I will tell you this, that when you bless people, don't you walk away feeling blessed? That's walking in the newness of Christ. That sometimes is just stopping and saying, you know what, despite my busy schedule, despite what's going on, I want to walk worthy of Christ. I want to walk in His likeness. I want when people to see me, they're going to say, yep, His talk matches His walk. He loves Jesus and He loves others. And many of us, We just don't have time for that. You know, I read an article, and it's incorporated in here, but spend five minutes in prayer. That'll seem like a long time. Five minutes to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just five minutes. And it's amazing how it will change your life. Two, John helps us to understand who we are. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he has walked. Turn with me to John 15. John 15, verse 4. I said John 15, verse 4, but I think verses 1 through 9 are really good. Are we following each other? I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. 
And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. That may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. There's that word. Don't you love that word? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of it itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you accept ye abide in me. I am the vine. And you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue. In my love. John calls upon each and every one of us to stop listening to our own voice and to start looking at our lives. It is much easier to talk the Christian life than it is to walk it. The word ought means that something should be in us, not because we choose to put it there, but because it is now part of who we are. It is not ours by choice, but it is ours by nature. But I want you to see the main word that you'll find here in that verse. Abide. Abiding means constantly walking in a certain direction as we live our lives. See, Christianity is supposed to be a walking religion. For many, it has become a sitting religion. We come and sit and listen and leave and come back again and sit and listen again and again and again and again. And that's just what our Christian life is. Years ago, while I was playing football and soccer, we had a term for those who only sat. We called those bench warmers and, or guardians of the Gatorade. Okay, maybe I never played football or soccer. Maybe I was the bench warmer. Okay, just be gentle. We're all, remember, team. Together, everybody achieves more. I just want to see if anybody are like, I never knew Pastor played football. Well, I didn't. Just thought I'd tell you. John would say sitting is for sissies, and the Christian life is about walking, making progress in the direction God has called us to. For some like Paul, I really believe that our Christian life is more like running. It is about running God's race and finishing the course he has set for our lives. Acts 20.24 says this. But none of these things move me. And this is my life verse. Neither can I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish the course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Abide. Abide carries the idea of continuing. Jesus described his followers as branches that abided in the vine. They stayed where he was and walked where he went. I don't know everything that the disciples got by spending three years with Jesus. But one thing I know for certain, they got a lot of exercise. They kept constantly on the move in order to keep up with him. Some of the last words he spoke to them basically said this. Now that you've gone and gone, you now need to go, go, go to all the world. Go make disciples. Go teach and obey and teach. To obey. There's a story about a couple. 
They gave up a medical practice. They gave up what they had in a teaching position at a university to become missionaries to Africa. The husband had previously stopped teaching to become an inner city pastor. He was speaking to the head of the Protestant churches in the area of Africa and was told, please, please don't send us any Americans to do evangelism. Our people are much better. Please don't send us any Americans for our people are much better. Why aren't Americans good evangelists anymore? Our Christianity is something we add to our lives instead of something that we are. Preach it, pastor. Our Christianity is something we add to our lives instead of something that we are. Knowing the four spiritual laws will never compensate for the un- one unspiritual life that we live. So one thing that I believe that we do very well in our life is we abide in faith. Listen, if the average American spends 10 minutes a day with God, but four hours a day with TV, what if you limited your TV time to the same amount of time that you prayed, that you read your Bible, or edifying books, or listened to sermons, or a spiritual program? How about this? Make them equal. We say we watch TV when we got nothing else to do. Well, you have never have nothing else to do. Maybe we have nothing else we want to do. One thing we see in the Bible is about Satan. Who did he attack? He attacked Job's life. He even asked permission to sift Peter's life. I think he needs our permission to work in our lives, in the life of our church, our community, and our culture. But you see, here's what we keep doing. We consistently... Open doors for him and let him freely operate in our midst. So many of us have yielded. And I understand for many just the difficulty it is to live a Christ-like life. I understand just the obstacles that you face. I don't like him. I don't like her. Well, listen, stop looking at people and start looking at him. If you look upward instead of inward, you'll you'll start seeing a, a totally different life. He says if we abide in one another, if we keep living a life that's continually in the life of Christ, what did he say? I'll bless you, right? Isn't that the, what I just read in First John? So he wants to bless us. We just have to be committed to receiving that blessing and living out our life that's honorable for him and to him. Turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6. You know, as I get in my office, sometimes I, I'm sitting there and so many verses come to my mind. I just want to just like have some deep theological message and half of you would be bored to tears. But uh, I just think it's interesting how God brings to light his word. First Corinthians six eleven through 20. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, and God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God hath both raised up the Lord. And here's, he's talking about purity amongst believers. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then make the members of Christ to make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. 
What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, said he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. And he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not what? Your own. Because it says here, for you are bought. You can go ahead and circle that, underline that, with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit, which are God's. Do we glorify God in everything that we say and everything that we do? Do people see that he abides in us and we abide in him? It says there, for we are bought with a price. Therefore. Glorify him. Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six. I'll correlate these two together. Verse eleven. And here's what Paul was doing. He was pleading for separation from unbelievers. Oh, you Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in us. But you are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. You also enlarge. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel, with an unbeliever? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? If you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Here's what we've done. In the word of God... We have made justification for all kinds of sins in America today. We have. Come on, people. Listen, church. We have made excuses for our bad behavior. When it says here, come out from among them and be you separate. Live abiding life. Live a life that is separated. Live a life that is holy before Almighty God. And every day of our life, when you get on your knees before God and you go to him in prayer, you can ask God, please cleanse this unrighteousness man, this sinful man, this man who's looking at self instead of looking at you. We must live a life that is God honoring. And yet here in America, I'm finding churches across the United States of America that have said Christianity and the church is just kind of like vacation. If I can make it there, it's all good. I asked the youth this morning when I was downstairs with them. I said, we're going to play a little game called Word Up. We've done it for years. What does the church mean to you? What does God mean to you? What does prayer mean to you? What does it mean to you as a congregation? Listen, if we do not abide in him and live our life in him, we might as well just close up the Bible and forget this Christian life that some of us say we live. I don't want to continue to keep going and and get beat up because of, you know what, here he goes again. Beat me up. 
No, I'm not doing that. That's the Holy Spirit. And if God says, if I abide in you and you abide in me, we'll continually walk together. I just want a church where we're all walking together. We're two or more gathered in my name. I'm in the midst. We're two or more are abiding together. We're continuing to walk in the same goal. Do you understand why we've had some uh, obstacles in the ministry? One, Satan doesn't want New Hope to continue to keep going. I'm just telling you that. And I've said it for years. We're year number 10. It's because it's God's church. You are members of his body. And it's because of your involvement and your contribution that keeps the church going. And together as one body, we let people know that Jesus Christ is the head of our life. Today when you go home, will you forget this message? Will you forget what just was said and what took place? I'm going to stop right there today. Just because I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to do that. Just stop right here today. And next week we'll go right into part two of are we walking the walk and talking the talk. As a young man, I used to give the gospel in the public high school system. And as I was preaching and preaching and teaching and and trying to win and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, all I ever wanted to do was walk in the ways of the Lord. I just wanted to abide in Him. And I remember just some of the difficulties that I faced even as a teenager. I mean, it was hard. It was difficult. I, oh, I hated persecution. I hated the way people put me down. I hated they, they would call me names and, you know, call me preacher boy. And, oh, here comes the Christian again. And I kept thinking to myself, what am I communicating to these people? And it wasn't until one day a young lady by the name of Tony. I remember being at home and they got our phone number. And as I picked up that old rotary phone, there was Tony on the other side. And I remember that evening her saying this to me. I want to take my life. Ready for this? I have slit my one wrist and I'm going to do it to the other one. Now, wait a minute. Why would she do something like that? And why is she calling me? Because here's what she saw. A Christian with a continual abiding walk in Christ. And when her family was falling apart, when everything was... I was 17 years old. I didn't... What's a 17-year-old know? You always remember that. All I wanted to do was serve God. And yet, here's what I said to her. Where are you at and what are you doing? Your life is valuable. God loves you. God cares for you. She goes, does he really? I said, he does me. Look at my life. Look at what I've gone through. So I I took her on a little journey the next day. Walked her into the guidance counselor's office. And while we were sitting in there... I took my Bible in with me, and they, they came and got me out of class, and the, the guidance counselor said, Todd, this young lady needs to talk to you. Said, Praise God for a Christian guidance counselor that would let another 17-year-old come in and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'd go in there and sit down with him, and I said to her, you have no purpose, you have no life, you have nothing. But there's so much life. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And I remember that young lady bowing her head. And asking Jesus Christ into her heart and her life. Do you know that from that day forward, she's lived a life for Jesus Christ? I ran into a woman.
this past week. She goes, oh, you're Todd Tackett. I said, yeah. You know, you kind of raise that one eyebrow. Yeah, why did you say that? She goes, I went to school. She goes, I noticed on Facebook you're still preaching. I didn't even know who she was. People see who we are. They know who we are. When was the last time that maybe you even got on Facebook and today I love God with all my heart, all my soul, with all my mind? Instead of maybe some of the negativity that you had. So today all I want to say is this. I had a discouraging day, a glimpse this week, and my wife looked at me and she said, Todd, never ever give up your walk. Never let people change you. And so I encourage you, and I'm going to leave you with this thought. Do you walk in the ways of the Lord? Do you allow the mind of the Holy Spirit to guide you, to direct you, to give you purpose? And if you don't, man, call on Him today. Don't just say, oh, I'm a Christian. I hear that every day. Everybody tells me, so I ask them the big fancy question. What makes you a Christian? And it's simple. It really isn't fancy. And they proceed to tell me, but you know what? In that little sentence, there's nothing about Jesus. There's nothing about Christ. Do you guys want to have a church where revival starts to take place and where God's power just shines down in ministry? Where people say, man, Jesus Christ is number one in their life. You see, this community...